0: All right. What's going on? Welcome to Canel and Bell. Look who's back. My boy is back in town and now I'm not in town. I'm up in New York City here for some CBS. We have a college football seminar. Like that means we're that much closer to college football. A seminar.
1: What do you, what do you mean a seminar? What does that mean?
0: So every network does this. Like when I was at ESPN, they do, they did this. Fox does it. CBS does it. So they bring in all the people who are involved with college football, right? So you've had your producers, your directors, your play-by-play, your analysts, your studio analysts, your on-the-field reporters, everybody. You go out to dinner tonight and you mingle, you network, you get, you know, just kind of hang out. And then all day tomorrow from like nine to five, you go in these different meetings. And it starts with Sean McManus, head of CBS Sports, has a welcome message. Hey, we're excited about the season. And then you like delve into some of the details. Like you'll go over some rule changes in college football. You'll go over the landscape. They'll bring up some talent. They'll do a little round table. It's just, it's a way to get everybody in the same town and kind of network is basically the easiest. I mean, like if you're in medical sales and you have like quarterly meetings or annual meetings, right. it's kind of like that. You know, I mean, it's fun. Like, cause you get to get out, you get to see people that you don't get to work with, uh, you know, on a daily basis, you get to catch up with people enjoy and enjoy that. Uh, and, and yeah,
1: I'm sure you would love it. Enjoy that. No, I'm saying you enjoy that. I clearly it's not my cup of tea, well, but you enjoy it.
0: It'll be cool. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Well, I'm I'm glad you're back, man. I want to get uh in a couple minutes we're going to get to LeBron James, uh all the outrage over him and his antics in AAU and who better to talk about it than you because you just got back from an AAU tournament. You know that landscape better than anybody. So we're going to do that in a little bit. Uh but first there's some NFL news that broke Literally in the last couple hours as Michael Thomas, New Orleans Saints wide receiver, signs a brand new five year, one hundred million dollar deal. Sixty one of it guaranteed. Uh, I saw the initial reaction. People are blown away. Uh, I'm not that surprised. The kid's been unbelievable since he came out of Ohio State. Drew Brees is getting into his potential last year. I mean, you kind of can see the light at the end of the tunnel for Drew Brees. You know, and absolutely on the back end, is it one year, is it two years? Who knows, but it's not much longer than that. Michael Thomas was holding out, so I felt like he had a lot of leverage because there is a sense of urgency in New Orleans. So I'm like, well, yeah, this makes sense. I mean, the the salaries go up. It's all about timing. And because he's the most recent top five wide receiver, he's going to get this type of deal.
1: Yeah, I think the outrage. I mean, I don't know why this happens in the NFL, but it seems like if anybody other than an offensive lineman or a quarterback gets paid substantial money um, and and gets a huge signing bonus, people are outraged. I don't. I I too don't see the outrage in this. Uh, he led the NFL, you know, in receptions last year. Um, he's got the highest total for first three years in the NFL in terms of you know a receiver. Uh, he's, he's durable. He. You know, their position to where they have to win now to the point that you just made. He leveraged his situation. He's a star. He's going to get paid. I don't see why there's outrage regarding it. The question for me is, you know, what does that do to the other guys, to the to the Julio Jones that are in a holdout? Um, obviously, A.J. Green's got another situation there. I'm sure we'll get into that. Um I'm not surprised that he got his money. I just what, what does this ha- what does this do to the wide receiver position? Is it kind of reset the bar for what you're going to see? Number one's getting in the NFL now.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely the first thing you think about is the guys who are anticipating new deals. And they're like, hey, hold on a second. And Julio Jones is the perfect example as a guy in Atlanta. Remember last year, remember he took down his Instagram page and he like deleted everything associated with the Falcons. And and then they gave him like they reworked his deal and said, hey, trust us. We'll take care of it down the road. Well, now Julio Jones says, I don't need the preseason to get ready. No, I think he's, he's spot on there, but if I'm Julio Jones or I'm Julio Jones agent, I'm looking at this deal specifically and saying, you know what? He may be a little bit younger than me, but I've had a lot more success. Odell Beckham got paid. Antonio Brown got paid. You guys need to step up and pay me. And it's a little bit different because I don't think he has quite as much leverage because of, uh, Antonio, or excuse me, Matt Ryan is not, you know, in the same age and strat, you know, a, uh, part of his career that Drew Brees is in. But still, at some point, you've got to look at the whole landscape and say, "Man, it's time to pay me." And but as far as Julio, uh, Julio Jones skipping the preseason, I'm not shocked at all. I don't even think it's. I think if he had a new deal, I would skip the season, the preseason. If I was him, the preseason to me has completely become irrelevant. It has become um, just. There's only bad things that can happen. There's no for a guy like Julio Jones especially. There is nothing, there's no upside to playing in the preseason. Zero. So why yeah, play? You've
1: made that point over and over again and I I've countered it, but I guess in my heart of hearts I understand what you're saying. Like why why go out there and risk it, you know, for a guy like Julio Jones? You know what you're going to get, you know when you hop out there on opening day, you've done it for I don't know 6, 7 years. You're 30 years old. You you, you don't need those reps um in in preseason games and risking injury like that. I would I would say though that like well, you said, you know, Matty Ryan isn't in the same breath as Drew Brees. Clearly Drew Brees is a little older. Um, but I don't trust Matt Ryan as much. You know, the, the one argument that I would make, uh, where Julio might not have as much leverage is, you know, they've got Calvin Ridley over there. Um, and they got a really good number three receiver in Atlanta. Uh, and, and I don't know that the Saints had that. Like Michael Thomas almost had a hundred more catches than the second most, um, you know, catches by a wide receiver in, in New Orleans. So he's way more integral in that you don't have, you know, a guy who can really kind of replace some of those catches, but I don't trust Matty Ice and I don't know why, why does he get that type of cachet with his name? He's done nothing. I'm asking you, Danny, like what, why is Matt Ryan mentioned in the same breath as a Drew Brees? He clearly doesn't have the same type of resume and he's not on the same level as quarterback. Like, is that, is that fair? Well,
0: I mean, I oh yeah, it's absolutely fair, but Drew Brees is in a top, you know, I mean, he's all time leading passer as far as yardage goes. He's got the Super Bowl under his belt. Matt Ryan does have an MVP. He does have an MVP season under his belt. He did have a 28-3 lead against the Patriots, which of course was blown by his defense. But there are some haters. There are some people that look at Matt Ryan and say, man, I think he's overrated or whatever it is. I think he's properly rated. I think he's a franchise quarterback who can win you a Super Bowl. And I think that's what every franchise should look for in a guy. Um, and it's one of those, like I, he's, he's better than, Andy Dalton with the Bengals, or he's better than some serviceable guys. Like, he can elevate his game to the next level. And I think the thing with Matt Ryan that's uh, interesting, he's been through so many offensive coordinators. When it was Kyle Shanahan, then it was Steve Sarkeesian. Now they're back to um, uh, Dirk Cutter, the guy from the Tampa Bay Bucks who was head coach. Like, he's been through a lot, and yet his play has still uh, been at a high level. So I think, you know, I think he gets knocked down sometimes, uh, sometimes, sometimes unfairly. But he's, good. he's been around for a while. Uh, as an Atlanta Falcon, The thing I'm, I thought was... Go ahead. No, I mean, I didn't mean... I,
1: I I guess I'm throwing shade at Matt Ryan, but I guess, you know, like to think that he's the... T- I don't view him in the breath of quarterback that like if you don't have any weapons around him, he's still going to put you on his back and he's going to be able to go out there and do that. Do you know what I mean? So right. like yeah. when you said that... Drew Brees needed, um you know, a Michael Thomas because, you know, he's older than it made me feel like you were alluding to the fact that, you know, Matt Ryan, it doesn't matter what you put out there with him. He's going to be able to get it done. I guess I just don't view him like that.
0: I agree with you on that. Like, he's a guy you have, he'll win you a Super Bowl if you have strong running games, good playmakers like a Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and a good defense. Like, he's right. not going to be a guy you just plug in on the worst team in the NFL, put him on the Arizona Cardinals. And all of a sudden he's going to turn them around. You absolutely have to put good pieces around him. Always look for the guaranteed number in these deals. Michael Thomas, 61 guaranteed. Everyone's freaking out because it says 100 million. It's fake money. It's funny money. 61 is the guarantee. Odell Beckham, still the highest paid as far as total guaranteed. 65 million in his deal, uh, which he signed with the Giants, uh, 90 total value, but the 65. Always look for that, that number. It's different than any other sport that you look at. Always look for the guarantee. There's a lot of monopoly money on the back end of that one. Um, we're talking about wide receivers. We're talking about guys that are, you know, AJ, uh, excuse me, Julio Jones not playing in, in preseason and you, it's hard to blame him. AJ Green is now expected to miss multiple regular season games because of a torn leg, ligament in his left ankle. Again, it's one of those things where every coach at night or during practice just holds his breath. Please don't let me lose a guy in a practice that doesn't mean anything. Now, thankfully, this wasn't a game, but I think this speaks volumes as to why guys don't play in preseason games. But I think it also goes to the nature of the sport. Like, it's physical. He, like This probably wasn't even a contact drill. You roll your ankle the wrong way, you do something, and all of a sudden you find yourself missing multiple games. That's why I never fault a guy for trying to get as much money as he can up front. Um, and A.J. Green's a guy who's getting up there. He's 30, 31 years old. Um, you know, he's going to get his payday sometime. But again, it's your every coach's worst nightmare is when you're sitting Co- there and coaches, you see one of your guys. Bro, yeah, players, yeah,
1: players. <laughs> Listen, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, AJ Green was going about this in a different, completely different way than the other ones, right? Like he was, you know, at, at camp uh trying to be trying to be a good soldier about this. Uh The club's going to take care of me. We'll work it out. And I, I, I applaud you for that. This is the this is the the flip side of the coin, right? Like you go in, you try to do it right, um, and you get hurt. And you know, lucky for him, like I think he's lucky in this scenario that he didn't tear an ACL or you know, you know, fracture some kind of limb that would completely alter the trajectory of his career. Like you can recover from some torn ligaments in an ankle, hopefully, um. You know, they, it could also be catastrophic because when you tear some ankles, you know, some ligaments in your ankle and it throws your gait off and now you, you got a hamstring pull, um, you can't get that hammy right. Now you wind up with some kind of back strain and it lingers all season and now you're looking for your money and they're like, Hey man, you were unproductive all season. You know, that could be an issue, but generally speaking for a player, this is why you don't go out there and try to be a good soldier, right? Because you are one injury away, especially in the NFL, um, from a career altering, injury and the team looking at you saying, Hey man, I know you used to be AJ green. And uh, like, hopefully this is all hypothetical and this never takes place. AJ green comes back and he's great, but you used to be AJ green and now you're not anymore and we're not going to pay you. Right. And so that like I am with a player, if you have the leverage in a situation, whether you're one year out, whether you're two years out, whenever you feel like the iron is hot and you need to strike, you strike and you try to get the bread when you can get it.
0: Uh, I actually like the approach Bobby Wagner took when, remember he went to Seattle camp. He's like, I'll show up. I'll go to the meetings because there is a lot of mental stuff. There's camaraderie. There's chemistry. Uh, you can be, you know, a presence, a leader, and you don't even have to go to practice. Just go watch practice, sit out, show your goodwill to the team. Like, I think that's the best compromise. You don't have to, you don't have to sit out completely or you don't have to go to Cabo, (laughs) which is what Ezekiel Elliott has done. I agree. Um, so let's transition to Ezekiel Elliott because his, um, holdout is getting pretty contentious pretty fast. Um, Jerry Jones, the other day, two days ago, comes out, speaks with the media. He gives examples of how you don't have to have a running back to that leads the league in rushing to win a Super Bowl. Basically throwing shade at Ezekiel Elliott, presenting his case, saying, we don't need him. They signed Alfred Morris, who's a serviceable back, but he's not the same as Ezekiel Elliott. So then it's like the ball goes back into Zeke's court. He goes to Cabo um, and says, peace out. I'm going to go train there where, oh, by the way, I trained during my six-game suspension not that long ago. This thing's getting a little contentious. I feel like it's not that bad yet. I still ultimately think something will get get done. I think a lot of this is just posturing. Like I, And again, for Zeke to go to Cabo, I think some people are outraged. Oh, how could he do that? I mean, he's going to be training. And if you're going to train and you're not going to go to Oxnard and go with your team, like if you did it last year and you came in ready to play, why not go there? You know, why not go somewhere fun and train? As long as he comes in shape, which I'm sure he will be. Um, optics of it, man, it's probably not the best, but is it the biggest deal? No. I think he's, he's playing hardball with them saying, all right, you guys, you guys want to go ahead and throw me under the bus with some stats? I'll head out to Cabo. See you in a bit.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I, people hear the word Cabo and they, I mean, I guess you just assume that you're out there, you know, on, on, yeah, vacation and, and, and you're picking up pounds and stuff like that. Like guys have different, you know, homes, different places that they like to live and they find training facilities there and they stay as sharp as they need to be. No matter if they're in Cabo or if they're in, you know, New York, wherever, wherever it is, they're they're working uh and he'll be in shape. I'm not worried about that. I, I heard what Jerry Jones said and all of that is supported, right? You can find the data to support what he said. Um, you know, the problem is you're you're in a unique situation with Dak um, you know, and that that offense and, and Ezekiel Elliott, right? Ezekiel Elliott provides uh the type of support that you need for Dak. Uh Dak is going to get paid too. Um I, I sometimes think that he is undervalued as a quarterback. I also am realistic, and I don't think that he can do that without the strength of that running game uh, and without the production that Ezekiel Elliott has provided them over the last few years. So if you were a team in the Cowboys that is never, has never considered themselves out of the possibility to win a Super Bowl, um, you have to get this done with Ezekiel Elliott. He means too much to your offense. The DNA of your offense um, and that strong offensive line is pounding the football And then go and play action off of off of Ezekiel Elliott. If you remove him from that, it it changes the equation dynamically. Alfred Moore is cool. Any other back, cool. It's not Ezekiel Elliott. There are only a few guys you can plug into that situation and have the same type of production out of your offense and specifically your quarterback. And it it, you know they're not available, so you must get the Ezekiel Elliott uh deal done. Now Zeke might have to come to grips with. You know, maybe getting a a fractionally less than he wants. There might have to be some middle ground there. I don't know. But ultimately, I think Dallas has to get this done for this season. They're one, they're like the heat where they're never considering themselves out of it. It's never a rebuild mode. They're always trying to win a, a Super Bowl. You got to get this done. Your whole team, your whole offense is built around this guy's legs.
0: Yeah, I think the thing that's going to be problematic and the guy that's going to get on the outside looking in is Amari Cooper, the wide receiver. You know, especially when you see yeah. Michael Thomas get that deal, that market's starting to be set, and it's set really high. And Amari Cooper is the third guy in this kind of, you know, three-headed monster of their offense. He's also saying, hey, what about me? And I think that's where Jerry Jones finds himself in this predicament. He would love to keep all three of them. And, you know, the trade that he made last year looked like it pays off. It's going to take some really, really serious – um you know, talking into convincing to those players, hey, why don't you play for a little bit less? We could build something special. We could be here together for the next four or five years. But of course, every time you have that, certain guys—and I don't blame them—certain guys would be like, "No, I want to get as much as I can and max out while I can. Yeah. Screw you guys." Well, and I totally c- understand that.
1: Certain positions you can afford to maybe do that. I mean, and, yeah. any anyone is one misstep away from tearing an ACL, right? But. You know, quarterbacks, wide receivers, you know, you you, you, get, you don't get injured. And, you know, maybe the next time around the block, you know, you get your money or you take fractionally less. I don't know that you can do that with running backs. Like every year a running back takes more and more pounding and they're yep. devaluing the position every year. Right. It's a plug and play position now. So if anyone can't afford to sit back and say, yo, I'm going to take less, it is the running back who is going to take. The lion's share of, of the pounding in your offense and therefore be less valuable, you know, the more, the more he runs the ball. I, I just think he's got to strike while the iron's hot, not just Ezekiel Elliott, but the running back position in general.
0: Isn't it ironic how certain news drops at certain times? It makes you wonder like, hmm, boy, why would this come out now? So TMZ the other day reported on a civil suit, uh, from 2017, an incident in January, 2017 it happened in Frisco, a car accident involving Zeke. Um, and the cops showed up and this gentleman, and they have pictures of the cars like kind of bumped into, uh, together uh, next to each other. Uh, my favorite part of this lawsuit, in which this guy is seeking $20 million in damages, is that my old teammate, my running back, with the New York Giants, Gary Brown, who is the running back coach now with the uh, Cowboys, apparently he's the one that showed up on the scene and said, we will take care of everything. And the plaintiff now claims uh, that his injuries have never been taken care of. I think it's funny how people just look. I mean... I don't know. Who knows? Maybe the guy is really hurt, but it just feels like this is so opportunistic from that standpoint. And it also is a little bit of a, a head scratcher if you were looking to gain some leverage and you're the Cowboys. Maybe this comes out and puts Zeke in a little bit of a lesser position of power in his negotiation because he had another incident.
1: This is too convenient to be true, right? Theory. Yeah. <laughs> wait, like, wait. You. We were on the last time I was with you. You said. um the NFL or, or one of the, the business thing you, you went to said if it looks too good to be true, it probably yep. is, right? Like this yep. is too good. The timing of this is too good to be true. Um, the one knock on Ezekiel Elliott, like no one can knock anything on the field. The one knock is that he can be a bit of a knucklehead at times, right? Um, yep. it's the only reservation that people have for the most part about, you know, paying him like he's worth it there are only a few backs that are worth premier money he's one of them but you can always lean on ah he gets in a little bit of trouble I'm not sure about his decision making you know he's got some some interesting off-field uh you know situations that he winds up in and boom right in the middle of this here you go with another one drop way too convenient way too good to be true
0: all right, welcome back to Canal and Bell. So the uh, Major League Baseball trade, trade deadline is at 4 p.m. Stay tuned to CBS Sports HQ. We'll have you up to the minute. Anything that breaks. Uh, last night, there was a really surprising uh, move that nobody saw coming as Trevor Bauer from the Indians was traded to the Reds. Yasiel Puig is one of those guys going to the Indians. So Yasiel Puigs playing in this game, Reds versus Pirates. Uh, it's ninth inning, back and forth. There were uh, tensions from earlier in the game because he had a pitch that was thrown inside to Derek Dietrich, who's already got kind of a guy who has a big personality, wears the chains, likes the truck, uh, admires home runs, likes the bat flips. So you already have a little bit of contentious uhness going on in this game. So then later you bring on Amir Garrett, who's one of their relievers, comes in to pitch for the Reds. While he's out there, uh, the manager catcher having a little pitcher's meeting at the pitcher's mound, he's over there chirping at the Pirates' dugout. And so you're all right this time. This type of stuff typically happens sometimes. Getting pulled for the game, and all of a sudden, Amir Garrett just basically says, "Ah, screw it! I'm taking all you dudes on." Yes. Jets over attacks the entire Pirates' club out, like the entire dugout. He takes on now. Amir Garrett, six foot five. He's a big dude, but still, you got like I bet this is a guy you want to ride or die with, though. If you're on the Reds, you're like, "This is our guy. Like I want to go to battle with hey, him." Kind I'm of like stuck Gladiator. with that left. Yes. <laughs> the guy in the first defense, who's just like a sacrifice. That first line that goes out to battle just went over wrecking dudes. Oh, yeah. I'm, he, I didn't like it.
1: He missed with the left. I thought he connected with the left, but generally speaking, that's one of those where you look back at the tape and you're like, "What? Well, what was I thinking? Like you don't, you don't run over there into 15 dudes, man. Even I'm, no, I'm not that guy, bro. I'm coming next
0: or one on one, like one on two, but not one on eight. That doesn't make any sense. Here's where I think I could see you doing it. When you clothesline Kobe, you said you blacked out. I am assuming that's what happened to Amir Garrett. Like right. he just lost it and just blacked out and just went berserk. You know, like I, I yeah. hate to admit this. I'm going to, I'm going to have a confession to make. This is All really right, bro, an awful, go. awful thing, especially in 2019 with where we are in bullying. Uh, there was a kid when I was sixth grade at my uh, school. And he was one of those guys who had a, uh, a temper, kind of like Amir Garrett. He would fly off the handle. Right. So you know what we would do? Because we always wanted to see it. We would kind of tease him. We'd poke him. We'd prod him. We bullied him, basically, is essentially yeah. what I'm admitting to. And I'm not proud of it. I'm ashamed of it. And he would completely lose it, and he would attack everybody, and everybody would scramble, just run like crazy, and we'd be laughing like, ha! I I feel bad. I feel bad. I should not be laughing at this. This is not, I shouldn't be laughing at you right now. Like, he had a temper that it was just like one of those things where it would blow the top off, and you knew there was a point you could get him to, and we always pushed him there, and then he would go, and then we would all get in trouble. Like, he'd get in trouble for losing his temper, we'd get in trouble for bullying him and teasing him, but that's what it felt like. This guy just had that, He's got a temper; it's boiling, and then the top just blows off from there. Uh, I, I hate to admit that; I feel like people think I'm a bad person, but I'm just being honest. <laughs> I the really weird.
1: Go ahead. No, I mean, I, <laughs> all jokes aside, I probably did blackout, right? Because there's no real explanation yeah. for you charging a whole dugout full of people. Um But I think, and I, t- I, I asked you about this because, I, I, I all jokes aside, baseball not my wheelhouse all the time, but I don't understand how, you know. Throwing balls at a hundred miles an hour at people's head um, is as widely as accept, ex- accepted in that sport. I don't understand how that's still a thing. Like I don't understand how that's the answer. And you, you and I will get into this debate all the time. If you're going to pimp a home run and flip your bat, that the answer is to be get ready to be hit by one of these one hundred mile per hour like fastballs coming at you. I I don't see that. As being an acceptable thing, I mean, there there are beefs that I have, like with sports like hockey, that still support the fighting and encourage it, and they've got guys just on their roster to fight. Um, baseball is even a little more lenient than the NBA on, on on fighting. Like these guys will get suspended, but they won't get suspended for like twenty games. How is maiming someone or trying to maim them with a ball an acceptable thing in this sport? I don't understand.
0: So. Amir, get out to get punished. Any pitcher who throws at a guy, uh, in your words, you know, to maim him in retaliation, he will get suspended. I would equate it to if you're in basketball and another a guy on another team doesn't does something you don't like. Maybe he dunks, looks at you a little bit longer. Give him an elbow in the face the next time he's down the court. You give him an elbow to the ribs. It's equivalent to that because in baseball, it's not a contact sport. You're not next to somebody where you you know, football, you can just knock the crap out of the guy the next time he's on the field. Uh, in basketball, you can give him a rib or you can kind of get one of those cheap shots in to get him back. In baseball, really, it's the only thing you can do physically to get a guy back, which is how I would explain it explains it. But they didn't
1: do uh, anything physical to you. Like, be, <laughs> like right. the only reason I would, I would hit someone in a basketball game with an elbow is if he elbowed me, right? Cause it's a physical yeah. sport. So there'll be a physical retaliation. Like, but if a guy just ice grills me for hitting a three, you know what I need to do? And I, this is cliche as heck. Don't let him stroke a three in my face. Like, that's my get back. It's it's not going to be to, like, try to separate his ribs the next time he comes down to court.
0: What if there was a guy that just was talking all kind of crap? Like, just talking, talking, talking. And maybe he didn't even do anything to you physically. Wouldn't you say maybe you'd give him an elbow or you would do something a little more physical with him?
1: uh, Possibly. But generally speaking, like, what you need to do is lock down. If the guy is talking crap, that means – In most instances, he's earned the right to talk the crap. That means you're not doing your job. And so the best way to stop that is to do your job, whatever that is. So if if he's defending you, then you need to start figuring out a way to put the ball in the bucket. If you're defending him, then you need to stop him. I mean, there are instances where, like, if you were really trying to get a guy off of his rhythm or something, you know, you might poke him in the belly or you might you might do something while he's shooting a jump shot. Um but none of that would cross the line into suspensionable, like, acts. And so I, I kind of feel like hitting someone with a baseball in the face potentially is, it's over the top, I guess. I mean, I, I it's a stupid argument. Yeah. I keep making it, but I don't get it.
0: And I mean, technically in the unwritten rules, you are supposed to go a little bit lower. You're supposed to aim at the back, you know, in the legs or lower to try to make a statement. It is kind of, it's archaic. It's been the way baseball has worked for a long time. All right. There was a story that happened over the weekend. I didn't want to discuss it. Until you got back because it's something you are very, very familiar with. LeBron James at his son's AAU game. That's exactly where you were. You were in an AAU tournament yeah. uh in the Northeast. He's out in Las Vegas, but it made waves because of the way he handled himself. So he went out there, he goes in the layup line, he puts on a show in the dunk contest. That probably was the least of anybody's, you know, um criticisms of him. Then there were a couple of circumstances during the game, Bronny goes down. Splits the middle of the lane, dunks. LeBron comes out on the court, um, chest bumps him, gives him a high five. There's another one at the other end of the court coming back. LeBron goes on the court, loses his shoe, throws it off, puts it back on, comes out in the court, chest bumps him during the game. Your reaction was what?
1: <sighs> you know I'm a LeBron fan. Um, him in the layup lines, dunking, that's probably a treat for everybody in the gym, people who might not otherwise pay to go see LeBron play and can't see him in person. Yeah, you know, I support that. Like, you know, if you want to, if you want to dunk, I, I do think that it's for the kids. But he's such a star that go ahead, give the people what they want. When the game is being played, I, I don't. You shouldn't be on the court. Um it, This is it's bigger picture for me, right? This is not the Entertainers Classic at Rucker Park. It's not the and one mixtape where they storm the court and, and and when something cool happens and the game shuts down. Th- those are entertainment um venues that's not real basketball like those kids aren't trying to be bred to play scholarships those are for the most part grown men you know playing a game to entertain people and make money Uh, you being on the court and making such a sideshow of this basketball game is wrong on a lot of levels number one the kids they're playing against you're on the court doing that like how do you think those kids feel and number two let's say the kids on the winning team like we're not this is not the Entertainers Classic. This is not and one mixtape. This is real basketball. You don't run out on the court and act a fool whenever something like that happens. The game continues to go on. Like that's how basketball is played. Have you ever seen anyone in an NCAA game, Danny, at any like any level, Division One, Division Two, like NAIA? Have you ever seen anyone run on the court when somebody throws down a crazy dunk? It, it doesn't yeah. happen. Like we shouldn't be, you know. Programming these kids to think that they're only out there to provide a dunk show for whoever's in the stands. And yeah, you know, I know people are going to be like, Oh, well, that's, it. that's what's happening though. Wherever this team goes, I've saw them in Miami, you know, I've seen them play. It becomes a sideshow and I worry about the kids on that team un- understanding what basketball is really about. And I, and you know, it's, it, I'm sure they'll all be great and they'll all be in the NBA one day and I'll, I'll cheer for all of them and I'll be fans, but I worry about them understanding What the game at this level is all about. And it's not about that. It's about learning how to play. Um, you know, learning fundamentally how to play. You can have your highlights and stuff. It's about getting to the next level and playing basketball. LeBron is treating it like they've skipped all of that. And now they're playing, you know, as NBA stars in some Rucker Park summer league where the game shuts down every time something cool happens. And I don't think that's right.
0: I'm so glad you said that. You know, I was really curious. I had no idea what you were going to say. Um, I've heard a lot of people defending LeBron's actions. There, there's no defending that. I'm sorry to interrupt you. There's no defending that. You shouldn't be on the court. See, here's what bothers me is the the, the criticism that – or the the defending of LeBron comes back and it's, hey, why can't he just be a good dad? Why are we criticizing for him being a good dad? Is it that tough to separate? Like, you can be – you can still criticize somebody and he can be – I think he's a great dad. Like, I think he's an awesome dad. I just thought that was an awful look and he's setting a bad example. And I totally agree with you. Layup line, it's a show for everybody – Everybody's there. But is it that hard to wait until the game is over to high-five guys? Like, is it that hard? Is it that much to ask? You can go high-five your team. You can chest bump them as soon as the clock hits zero. You can go shake the other team's hand, give them credit. There's a lot of ways you could do this, this that just would have been better. And the biggest problem I have was that when LeBron James, it was a few years ago, he said he regretted naming his son LeBron, Bronny, because of the attention and the pressure that it would put on him. What does he think it does when he goes out there and jumps on the court? It's bringing all of this unneeded, unnecessary attention. I just, again, I think LeBron is a great dad, but can't you separate that and say, you, I just don't like this action? You
1: have to be able to separate that. I I too agree that LeBron is a great dad. Le, LeBronny is a stud. He's a great basketball player right now. So is that team that he plays on. Do you see any other dads storming the court when their son's team uh, throws an alley-oop in the middle of play? You don't see it. It, do, it doesn't happen. A game still goes on. There are two different kinds of basketball that are played, Danny, And whether people believe it or not. And I try to explain this to, like, my youth kids. What you see at the NBA level is kind of a hybrid game of basketball, right? Like, there's yeah. no other place where the game's played like that. You, the college game is different from the NBA game. The NBA game becomes, like, you know, 75% basketball, 25% entertainment, um, but in the summer, you know, NBA basketball players when they're touring will be in the entertainment business more than the winning basketball game business. So when you're playing in those things and you're throwing lobs and you're dunking and you're, you know, you're doing all that stuff, crowds may go crazy. People may storm the court. That's for you. Once you become a nine time all star and you are an icon and people want to come see you play, that's not for 15 year olds who are playing against other 15 year olds all trying to be seen by college coaches in a serious environment, whether that other team's losing by 25 to 30 or not. Your place is not to be on that court, you know, acting the fool while the game's going on. And, and I agree he's a good dad. I think he's a great father. I think he's a great NBA player. I think he missed on this one. Stay off the court. Let the game continue to go on. And to your point, when it's over, go crazy, man. I don't care, but not, not while live gameplay is going on. You shouldn't be on the court acting like it's the N1 mixtape tour.
0: And it's always, I think he's getting a pass because people are saying, oh, he's LeBron. He should be treated differently. What about you, Raj? Like you're an NBA player. You were <laughs> playing against other teams that were, uh, that played in the NBA just cause you're, and I get he's the greatest and he's go to this generation, but that doesn't give you a pass like this because then it does set a standard that people will mimic people will copy not only other players like yourself but other dads will start saying well if either i can go out there let's get excited so it just becomes problematic no doubt so good stuff there it'll be interesting to see if he tones it down a little bit moving hey, forward that, this t- that team
1: is ridiculous i don't mean i mean i don't take anything away from them i've seen them play a couple times they are loaded and they are fun to watch you just have to be careful when you're programming kids um to not understand what they're doing out there and why they're doing it. You know what I mean? Your job, you're not entertaining people right now. Your job is to become a good little basketball player, hopefully play in college, get a free education, um, and if you're lucky enough, play in the pros. Your job isn't to be out there, you know, entertaining right now.
0: Welcome back to Canel and Bell. So the NBA uh, offseason is a full force. So you know it's the offseason, Raj. When you see all these – um Social media posts, these Instagram stories of guys playing pickup hoops around at the various gyms or various pickup games. How do you find those? Are you are you in on the inner circle of those, or were you? you um, get like the text that comes out says, "Hey, meet us at UCLA" or "Meet us wherever it is, the life, wherever it is."
1: I, I think that, uh, yeah, I was in that here in in Miami. I never lived in LA, so you have to probably train with a certain group of dudes, and then when you're really close with that certain group of dudes or the trainer. You get the text and then probably one more text goes out from there. So you wind up with, I don't know, 15, 18 pros in the gym and that's a pretty good run. I was in the text in Miami. Um, so I was on the outside looking in. I was having this conversation with someone the other day because, you know, in all of these things, you see guys just making a whole lot of shots. You don't know, you know what you never see in, in like summer runs? What? Anyone playing defense. <laughs> Anyone. Like it's, it, and I get it. Like you don't want to get hurt and all of that. But when I played defense in the summer runs, like when we were down here, we defended each other. I, it's like, I watch these things and I'm like, man, this is just like you go work with your, your, your guy, right? And you, let's say you're going to work on your, I don't know, uh, drag into like a double step back today. That was probably three years ago, but let's say you're going to work your drag into your double step back. You work on that for like an hour and a half. You shoot like 400 shots off of that move and then pickup becomes everybody in the gym trying to execute that move and no one trying to defend it. And I'm like, yeah, it's great. These guys all look fantastic, but no one's
0: defending anyone in these runs. Right. Ben Simmons, his jumper looks fantastic, but nobody in his face. And There's there no one car in car. the frame with him. <laughs> right. He's out there uh, doing it. So Boogie Cousins is playing in a lifetime athletic rec league. Uh, he's averaging close to 35 points, 12 rebounds, and 6 assists. And he's had one triple-double. Who's keeping track of the stats in these games anyway? <laughs> but apparently all he's doing is shooting a bunch of threes uh yeah. in this. He plays. Um, but the, the surprising thing about it is his team is one and two uh in this one. Like, is this – I guess I should ask Coca. Like, is this lifetime fitness? Is this what we're talking about? Lifetime athletic. So he's out there Life. playing in this rec league. Now, is this – like, I mean, are there good ballers in this? Or is this what? like a couple of – Yeah, that's of, the like, question. Warriors? Like, are there –
1: yeah, <laughs> are we playing against like – Accountants and, and, and podiatrists or, or are there are some other pros in the league. Like, I don't know. First of all, I think it may be illegal to play in that. The, the language in your contracts usually doesn't allow you to play in any other league unless it's kind of sanctioned, you know, by the NBA. So you got to be really careful. Um, if you're boogie, like open pickup gyms, everyone knows that you're going to play pickup, but playing in another league is usually not something that they, they want you doing. So this is an interesting one to me.
0: Well, so this would also be very frustrating for me, and I think we had this discussion last year. If I'm an NBA owner, or if I'm Adam Silver, the commissioner, and all the players are saying we need more time off, we don't want to play 82 games, we need rest, and then you're playing another league in the like in the summer. Like it's one thing if you're playing pickup hoops, you got to get your work in. But and I get it; it's probably it's probably just a rec league or whatever it is. But still, shouldn't you shouldn't this be the time as opposed to load management taking place during the regular season? How about you rest during the off season and get your legs back? Like, would that bother you at all?
1: No, because these these leagues are. It's a twenty
0: minute. It's a twenty minute game.
1: Um, there's no one his that's his comp in there. There's no banging going on. This is essentially a pickup game for him, right? It's just a little bit more organized, and he gets some fouls fouls called. Um, I I don't I don't see it like that. Guys have to play um in the off season to, to get to get better. At least most of them do. Um, some guys are talented enough to just come out there and do what they do. But most guys use that summer run. Like I said, you'll work on whatever you want to do to expand your game. Um, Whatever that is for you personally, you'll you'll try to do that in your workout in the morning Um, with your guy and you'll get your weights in, but then you got to take it and you've got to try those new skills in, in, you know, in a game type of situation. So you need the open run or the open gym to try to figure out whether you can implement this new skill into your game or not. Right. And it's by trial and error. Like some moves you work on with the guy, You'll be like, man, I like that. I can pull that off in a game. And some of you're like, I gotta scrap that. It's it doesn't really feel good for me. And so you need kind of this canvas, um, and that's the open gym, you know, environment to to get this off. That benefits the team because ultimately you come back, you know, as a better player. So ask, yeah, and asking a guy to sit down and that's just
0: not realistic in the offseason, you know. Boogie Cousins averaging forty minutes a game in this league, according <laughs> to our, our producer <laughs> Matt Okra, so he's <laughs> getting it in. All right, I got a favor to ask because I feel yeah. like we're pretty tight. We've been doing this show for a long time. I'm in New York City. Can you hook me up in Melo's game? Because Carmelo <laughs> might have the best game out there. Donovan Mitchell, Trey Young, and Jay Cole. Like you're bringing in hi- like if you got rappers and hip hop stars, I could hang with them, couldn't I? Yeah, I, I got I, a pretty good
1: three. I feel like if I call that favor in, I can't call any other favors in. So I'm probably not going to bring. Like I might want to take my son to see a man. game one day or I'm something sure, like that. I like would, I don't I'm even be, I don't I be, know. I wouldn't be like I wouldn't be the. You're going to show like, up in like your cactus jack like like ones yeah. and you're going to no. Now, yes,
0: I've no. come all decked out in my uh, throwback jersey. <laughs> all right. Welcome back to Ken and Bell hanging out here. I am in New York City. Raja's back in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, typically you have our guy Pete Blackburn join us from Boston. Now I'm in New York City. He's actually in studio down in Fort Lauderdale. We're trying to get that lined up because we need, uh, some, some Boston blood in here to help us break down the Patriots. So we're not accused of being Patriots haters because we have plenty of those around there. And, uh, Pete's very attuned to that scene. As they always have, um, their fan base definitely gets a little bit louder than most. In fact, one of the only times I ever had to call security when I was at ESPN, they have a global security department was when I said that the Denver Broncos should go after Tom Brady in the AFC championship game when they played him in Denver. When I said that, I didn't say hurt him. I said, give him some passenger, uh, some, you know, get him some 15 yard late hits. Go after him. Let him know you're there. And I'm telling you, the next 24 hours were pretty shaky as I was getting some death threats and some really, some guys were, you know, some, some, I don't even know if I can say it, some mass, you know what's were saying, Hey, I'm going to get my car. I know where you live in Connecticut. It was a little bit dicey, but we bring in Pete now because Pete's a reasonable, rational Boston fan, right? How we doing, man? Uh,
2: I, I won't put any death threats to you for allowing me on this show.
0: <laughs> all right, perfect. First of all, I want to get your take because Raja and I are both South Floridians. We grew up down there. You're a Boston guy. Do you enjoy Fort Lauderdale when you come down for work at the CBS Sports HQ headquarters?
2: It's not the most exciting place in the world. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the oppressive heat, but it's not the worst place in the world either. So uh, I'm happy to be here.
0: That's that is what, see, now what we what we got to do, Raj. We got to get him back like in January and February because if you're gonna be if you're gonna take in the sights and sounds of South Florida. You got to come when it's 70 degrees and when it's 12 degrees in Boston to fully appreciate it. Um, we were, I was just telling you about Tom Brady. I always said, Hey, the Broncos should have gone after him. That has been the recipe for any team to, you know, get after him to throw him off his game, even though it's so hard. Even when you do that every season, we have this conversation and some people like to give that hot take and say, Hey, if this is the year where you see Tom Brady's play drop off. I'm not going there until you even see the slightest glimpse of him dropping off. I don't think you've seen it yet, so why would it happen this year? How long does Tom Brady have left in the tank?
2: Forever. Literally forever. <laughs> He's gonna play forever. There, at this point in time, there's no reason to, there's more reason to believe the world is going to end in 10 years than Tom Brady's gonna fall off in 10 years. So at this point before, uh, until I see something that proves to me that Tom Brady is on a decline and on a steady decline, I'm not ready to say that he's not going to ever play, that I'm not going to to not watch Tom Brady play quarterback for my team, and I'm very happy about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think at, at this point you got to assume he's going to play forever, right? He's like a cyborg or something. Let me ask you about his partner in crime, uh, crime uh, Gronk, Rob Gronkowski, right? Gronk retired. Um, some people have rumored like he might be thinking about coming back or not. Do you as a Patriots fan feel like you'll ever see Gronk play again, or is he retired, retired?
2: I thought, uh, when he did retire, I thought that there was a good chance that he'd come back and that we'd see him, uh, and that maybe he'd be just taken off training camp, taking it a little bit easy on the body. Uh, I think that I'm, I've sort of trended more towards not gonna see him again. And, and I think a lot of that's, I don't know if you've seen pictures of him this offseason. <laughs> he has lost a lot of weight. Okay. He is, uh, slimmed down. And so it looks like he's not really putting time in, in terms of the weight room and things like that. And that's surprising for Rob Gronkowski because that's been like his M.O. forever is that he's just kind of like a meathead and loves uh loves eating weights and things like that. So I, I think that he might be done. And I think that until you get an indication that that's going to change, you have to just go on and move on without him.
0: Do you think Gronk is smarter than we think?
2: Yes. I think that, I think that his public persona, and I do think that, uh, there is a little, there's a child in him, but he is not as dumb as that childish persona leads on. He's a smart guy. He's smart with his money. We've heard plenty of stories about that. He just doesn't touch his money and things like that. I think that he is not a dumb guy. If he was a dumb guy, he wouldn't be able to fit into that system. I think he's a really good football mind. I think that, uh, you know, he's a fun guy and he has a great personality, but he's not stupid. Yeah. Have you ever,
0: have you ever seen him out on the town? Like, have you ever, have you ever partied with him or seen him at a bar?
2: I have, yeah. And he is, uh, he is just as fun as you would think that he is. Um, but he is not stupid. I would never call him stupid, especially to his face because he would eat me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He definitely, there was a party at the Super Bowl a couple years when they weren't in it. Um, it was the Broncos Panthers Super Bowl in San Francisco. And there was a party, one of the parties leading up to it. And I'm telling you, there are a lot of like celebrity star power at this party, but when Gronk went, uh, walked in, it was like everybody kind of wanted to see what he was doing and wanted to go hang out with him because he is such a life of the party. Like that's where people wanted to gravitate toward. I wanted to ask you something about being in Boston. Um, it was a couple years ago when. The dynasty was coming or supposedly coming to a close because Belichick and Brady were at odds, right? And it was over Brady's personal trainer and Belichick kicked him out of the locker room and everybody's like, oh, Brady hates Belichick. Uh, Do you think there was any truth to that or was that completely blown out of proportion?
2: I think there's some truth to it. I I also think that there's uh, an an inevitability that if you work with somebody for like a decade and a half, two decades, you're not going to love each other the entire way through. Uh, I've worked with with people that I didn't necessarily love uh, it, Raja uh, but no <laughs> uh, no I, and but I think that you can work through that and uh, obviously they've been able to work through it. they've been able to continue to have success. I don't doubt that there's been sort of tensions and things like that, but it's sports and it's you know They've been together for years and years and years, and both of them are highly competitive, super competitive guys. And, and I know that uh, they, they probably disagree on certain things, but they've clearly had success and continue to have success. So I think in that sense it was overblown because it wasn't the fall of the dynasty and what everybody thought that it was going to be.
1: All right, so we just talked about – I want to f- switch gears. So we talked about working relationships. Kyrie last year, and we asked you about it uh, when we had you on earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. Th- that They couldn't work together, right? Like they couldn't get on the same page. You got Kemba in there now. Um, just as a fan, you, do you think that works? They're very similar players. Do you see that working? Do you think the personality, you know, is is an addition by subtraction, and 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 Kemba's going to drop in there and, and work with Boston?
2: Yeah, I, I think to I think that you're probably downgrading slightly at, at the position in terms of talent and things like that, and obviously Kyrie's younger, but you know. It's gonna be better in the room. I think that there's gonna be better working relationships there and clearly, uh, the dysfunction in that room had an effect on last year's team. They're extremely frustrating and I think that you, you maybe have like a drop off in quality of play, but at the end of the day, if you're working together more uh, and the guys like each other, I think you go to war for each other a little bit better um, and find a little bit more success down the line. And so uh, I'm very excited. I love Kemba Walker. I've been a huge fan of his uh, since his UConn days, and I'm very happy to see him come in. Um, obviously, the Kyrie thing didn't work out, and it's, I think it's better for everybody that we're moving on. And, uh, you know, I'm very excited. I, at the very least, this team is going to be more fun to watch. Agreed.
0: Love it. Pete, man. Appreciate it. We love you. We should just have you like as our Boston correspondent. Like just have you on weekly because they're always in the news. You got Red Sox now. You got uh, Celtics. You got your Bruins. You got, you got, we should just have you cover all bases. Patriots. Like you should just be our Boston based correspondent for Canel and Bell. We're going to, we're going to hold you to it, but don't ask for a raise, man. We're cheap. We don't have the budget. All right, man. Thanks for joining us, bud.
2: You bet.